Hey, this is Red Beach from Whitesnake, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Tom Kiefer from Cinderella, and you are listening to Iron City Rock. Hey, this is Steve Blaze of Lillian X, and you're listening to my best bud, Sean, on Iron City Rocks. Hello and welcome to episode 238 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, Sean, coming from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Starting off this week's episode, we have for you an interview with Lillian Axe guitarist Steve Blaze. Lillian Axe just recently released a live album called One Night in the Temple. It's an acoustic album featuring all their songs from the beginning all the way up to the most recent stuff. Uh, a great album that comes with a DVD or a Blu-ray of that performance. Definitely worth checking out. I've been a huge fan of these guys since the beginning, and it was a real pleasure to talk to Steve about all things Lillian. And acts. Before we get to that, though, here's a track from that new album. Uh, this is a acoustic rendition of their classic song, Ghost of Winter. <laughs> founding member and guitar player steve blaze how you doing today steve hey man how are you doing good uh i want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us uh got a uh, real excited to talk to you um starting off uh you guys just released a brand new album it's a live album uh acoustic live album called uh, one night at the temple um can you talk a little bit about how the idea for this album came to be sure it started off a couple, I don't know, a year and a half ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like one of those weird brainstorms that I always get now and then. The problem is when I get them, 
if they're even half decent, I, I can't stop until they're finished, until it's done. Right. But I had the idea of just uh, like myself and Brian and Sam sitting around like a campfire with 10 or 15 fans just playing acoustically, <clears throat> answering questions, talking to them about the songs and the meanings of the songs. And um, as uh, you know, I started thinking about it, that would be a great DVD because we've never put a DVD out. Right. Uh, we've done videos and whatnot, but never a DVD. So it, it, the whole idea just started to snowball. And I said, well, let's do it with the whole band and let's get some more people and let's record it for um, an actual CD as well as a DVD. And the next thing you know, it comes up where we're having a 60-person <laughs> contest, 100 people in the crowd, production, lights. We turn it into a storyteller thing, an hour question and answer, two one-hour sets. It's catered, meet and greet. And this whole thing is all of a sudden turned into an event instead of a quick moment, right. uh, which I'm thrilled about because we were really able to capture the whole moment. That's the important thing. But it started off as just a small idea, and it just kept snowballing until it turned into what it is now. Um, yeah, I had a chance to listen to the CD and uh, got to watch a, a bit of the DVD. Um, and, and the CD, yeah, it's it's incredible. I mean, it covers you know your entire discography. And one thing that I was really kind of impressed with is like all the older songs from you know the first album, Only an Axe, all the way up to you know the latest album. They all really gel well together. Um, is that? I agree with you. I think that. Um... You know, even when we play in our electric set, uh, you know, when we play some of the earlier stuff, it's it's the chemistry of the band. Um, it doesn't sound like, you know, songs. The, the songs are songs. They're not dated. They're not, I mean, there may be some that may sound a little bit, you know, and they have certain little moments that may be more, uh, I guess, dated as far as the band is concerned. Like, mm -hmm. we may have some songs that sound a little bit more early Lillian because we've evolved over right. the years and uh, our, you know, our style now is maybe a little bit different, but we always maintain the signature sounds and, and trademarks that make us what we are. So um, that being said, I think that everything from the first record now, which is, you know, a span of 25 years, they do gel well together, you know, and I think that's because, of the chemistry that we have right now. And, and I've always felt that, you know, a good song should be able to be translated in many different ways. So uh, because they stand the test of time, which is a good thing, we're fortunate about that. Right. But, you know, we've always been about the songs. We haven't been about a gimmick or about, you know, pushing one person out into the forefront or anything like that. It's always been about the power and the, uh, the dynamics of our music. And that's uh, why I think the songs always they still uh, manifest themselves with power and dynamic just like if they were played you know at 120 db live with you know stacks of amplifiers right, right. In huge volume uh, they still come across the song that you care about and uh, one thing and uh you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you know, just going back, and I think one of the reasons why I think they do kind of stand the test of time, especially some of the older ones, is because they were so different for their time when they kind of came out. I remember, you know, when I first heard 
you know, show a little love. I was watching MTV and the video came on. I'm like, wow, that song, you know, it's catchy. It was great. It was, it was everything. And I'm, you know, I went out, I bought the album and when I listened to it, I was like, wow, this is something like completely different. Was it what was going on at that time? I mean, to me, it was almost kind of a little bit ahead of its time. Is that something you would agree with? You know, I agree that we're definitely never seem to fit in anywhere. If that makes any sense. Right. When we came out, we weren't from L.A., we weren't from New York, which were the hotbed of where mm-hmm. bands were being signed. We were from Louisiana. The only other rock band come out of Louisiana that had success was Zebra. Right. Um, you know, we were, and Zebra was a different style of rock than we were. So we kind of, you know, forged the way down here, you know, uh, for for hard rock and metal, so to speak, and we just we didn't have a, a sound that was like everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have the mentality like everything else. We didn't. We you know the the only thing that really kind of made us fall into that hair band thing was that we all had long hair. You know, <laughs> right? It really didn't. So what? Everybody did. Yeah, everyone did. Time, yeah. You know. I mean, it's just, it wasn't because we, we didn't grow our hair long so we could fit in a band. I grew my hair long because I, I liked it, you know? Right. You know, it's not like we all had short hair and we got in a band and grew it long, you know? Mm-hmm. That's just our personalities. But we, even to this day, man, we don't fit in any kind of niche, you know? We're not metal, we're not hard rock, we're not pop rock, we're not hair. We are just our own entity. And that's been a blessing and a curse. Right. The blessing is that we were unique and people appreciate that the fans who really do appreciate music and really like to get in and and have it really touch their soul they're going to like what we do mm-hmm. the people that want to go out and get drunk and and hear songs about getting laid and and, and getting messed <laughs> up on the weekends they're not going to get into what we do right um i mean they may but it might just be for the music they're not going to absorb it the way it's supposed to be absorbed exactly um, and, and it's still like that, you know, but it's a curse in that the way the media treats you for the most part is that, you know, especially down here in the South, we're not a blues, Zydeco or jazz band. So we're not going to get written about or, or lauded by the, 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 the local people. Right. And because we don't fit into some little clique, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of people out there haven't really given us an opportunity you know that's why we're still like this cult status and you know if i had a nickel for every time i got called underrated uh you know i'd be incredibly wealthy i mean that's right everywhere we go that's what we've heard for 25 years underrated 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 it's like you know we it's a weird thing so there are lots of reasons for that one of them is because we're a very unique different type of, of rock band right and um I'm happy with that. You know, I don't want to be like everybody else, but you don't have to be like everybody else to uh, to be witnessed by the masses. That's what we have lacked is to not be thrown out there to the masses right. the way we should be. So we just whittle at it a little bit at a time and do it on our own. And, uh, you know, the people that do understand us and appreciate us. Uh, that's a, that's huge for us, right? Um, you know, back to the new uh, CD, real quick. Um, you know, preparing the songs acoustically. Was there anything you had to do differently? Uh, maybe even for some of the older ones. 
Not really. You know, we just kind of we we went in there and we played them like we play them live. I mean, I can't do a lot of the soloing right. that's on the, the higher register, but so I just played an octave lower, or, you know, and just changed it up just a little bit. Um, but as far as the arrangements and the type, the harmonies and and that kind of stuff, pretty much stayed the same. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we played around a little bit. We showed a little love at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, we added violin to the day I met you. We, you know, we have a guest singer on two songs. Mm-hmm. We let the crowd sing. Nobody knows by themselves with the band on one song. So we we did a few little things, but for the most part, we just played it like the record, and let it let the chips right. fell fall the way they would, you know. Right. So, um, it wound up being a lot smoother than I thought it was going to be. You know, I thought maybe we might have to change some of this up, and then when we started getting into it, it's like, no, we just play it like we normally do it's just going to be on acoustic guitars now you mentioned the the guest singer and that was uh, would be uh, johnny vines who was the uh, original original singer of lillian axe um how'd you get him involved in, in the show well you know johnny was a singer into the band up until when mca signed me and they just wanted to sign me and i had to go through a very difficult decision where i'd leave the band and and reform it for the first album and Johnny was a singer at that time, and you know a lot of there were a lot of uh, you know reasons uh, why the, the, that decision was made. But Johnny and I, you know, we kind of uh, we always kind of stayed in touch mm-hmm. over the years, but we really connected a few years ago. And as we were talking, I was like, you know, uh, you know, we've got a lot of songs that we uh, that you know I wrote for Lily and that never made it on any of the records. Man, it would be great if. You and I and the original bass player and original drummer before we got signed to get back together again, and we did, and we called it uh, Circle of Light. And we right. put a record out with uh, called Rebirth with your very, very original four before we got signed, and uh, we put it out a couple of years ago, and we, we do occasional gigs here and there, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of fun. So we rekindled our friendship and got through, you know, all the, the difficulties that, right. you know, that... It kind of festered from that time, got through it, understood each other more, and uh, very good friends with all the guys now, especially, you know, um, you know, with Johnny, um, he comes to my house, him and his wife all the time, we hang out, we go there and stay with them, and uh, I said, man, it would be great, why don't you come in and uh, come up and sing Misery and Nobody Knows with Brian, because those two songs were songs that we were playing, uh, you know, back when he was still singing with the band. So we thought it would be perfect. And I even saw yeah, he, on... Uh, the, he did a great job. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did. And uh, even saw on the uh, Circle of Light uh, Facebook page, you had a video of, it was the original recording of uh, Dream of a Lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> on, the, uh, on the video, uh, you know. Was there any even talk of bringing any of the other members up on stage to kind of do like, like making this like a celebration of all of Lillian Axe? Or was that just something that wasn't even thought about? No, we actually, we invited Derek and Ron mm-hmm. to come in and sing and, and, and guest sing. And uh, I don't remember exactly what their excuses were, but uh, they didn't really want to do it. You know, and, and we were cool with that because, right. to be honest with you, I think it was more of a blessing because it was up to Brian. You know, Brian wanted to, to come in, yeah. and, you know, those songs are his songs now, and, you know, and he made them his. He came in, and he, with respect, he sang them like um, they were on the records, and he added to them. So, yeah, you know, was... um, 
if, you know, it, it, I would have been very, yeah, I'd have been happy if the guys would come in, but for whatever reason, uh, they might have felt uncomfortable doing it. Right. You know, but they decided not to. So, uh, you know, I thought, well, you know, this is a blessing. You know, God's got a plan. If it's not going to work out like that, there's a reason. And then, you know, in retrospect, you look back at it and it was perfectly made perfect sense. Right. Having Johnny there for a couple of songs was great, but, you know, Brian just owned the thing. So, and Brian does an, well. Brian does an incredible job on, on all the older songs, too. It was, it, it was, you know, it was really nice listening to all those songs, you know, with his, his well, take was, on that's, it. That's the whole, that's the point, you know, mm -hmm. and that's the beauty of the guy's attitude. It's, he has respect for what he came into. And, uh, you know, a lot of singers would come in and be like, well, I'm, you know, I'm the singer and I'm going to make these, I'm going to change these up and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it my way. And, and, you know, and, you know, that's just not the way it's going to be. But I didn't have to go through that, Brian. Brian was like, man, I want to sing them just like the record. I want to sing them with all the respect due to those guys and, uh, and do it the way they are in the record because that's what the fans want. Right. And he did. Right. Now, um, you also released recently a, uh, a box set uh, called Convergence that had all of the uh, Lillian Axe albums. And I know that there was only a limited run of that and it sold out real quickly. Um, is there any plans of releasing more of those? Yeah, we're definitely going to do that. Uh, probably in a few months or so. Right. You know, we was just amazed that it. it was just kind of one of those small thoughts again, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, biggest problem with those things is they really cost a lot to put together right you know so we wanted to give it a shot try it out and we did and we sold right out of them and then right when that was you know if we were finishing up with that first run then we were finishing up on one night in the temple so we didn't want to you know right hit everybody up with with two you know things because they're both higher item tickets than right um higher ticket items than the you know just a new record so uh, we're going to put them back out again towards probably end of the summertime cool and it's it's nice to be able to get you know like the first two albums which is you know sometimes almost impossible to find anymore um oh absolutely yeah it, you know it's um it was something that that i just really wanted to be able to put everything in one box mm -hmm. and you know that so when they when i die they can bury me with my convergence <laughs> box <laughs> um yeah, i'm i'm glad that i still have my original cds of, of the first two do you really yeah deal. i do and uh yeah i remember like when i went out when i went out and bought love and war you know it's like you know 16 year old kid and of course you know the album cover and everything you know i'm like oh i gotta buy this and everyone's like wow you found it you found it and it was hard to find i remember trying to find the first album and it I had to search everywhere to find it. I found it on cassette a couple places, but I wanted the CD. And then after, you know, searching, I finally found it and, and picked it up as soon as I did. But yeah, I still have those. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, just seeing what they go for sometimes online. It's like, I'm glad I hung on to those. And I still listen to them constantly, too. It's like one of those CDs. It's that... pretty sinful when you think about it, you know, because we've heard that to hear these things your entire career can really aggravate you you know mm -hmm. when you hear year after year uh can't find your records anywhere man why are the records so hard to find why do you records on why are you guys so um underrated why you know it's like man you know it's just and we're not the only band i mean but every rock band in the world has gone through mm -hmm. you know things where they've been treated less than correctly by their record company or 
or management or whatnot. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a testament to all the, all the bands that are out there still doing it. Exactly. To weather the storm and go through all the stuff you have to go through. So it's not an easy path, but you know, at the end of the day, it's the fact of the matter is that once you make the record and you put it out there, you know, you, you're, you're making people happy. And that's exactly. The, the drive behind it. So, you know, when it came out to putting out Convergence, I'm like, man, I am so sick of hearing from people that can't find our records. They ought to, anybody that ought to be able to find the record if they want it. Right. So let's do what we got to do to make it happen. Now, even looking back, you know, you mentioned, like, you know, problems with the labels in the past. And do you think it's easier now than it was when you guys were first starting out? No, absolutely not. The, the record, uh, the music industry is worse off than it's ever been. Okay. I mean, when you, you know, the, a true, real record company, not many of them even exist anymore. Right. But when you start looking at how many bands have to set things up with their own labels and get their own distribution just to put their product out there, that's why if you go look at the Billboard, you know, top 200 records and you look at the numbers, you know, or they're just, they pale in comparison to what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Right. Uh, when you're, you know, when a band like Aerosmith comes out and sells, you know, 40, 50,000 units the first week when they haven't had a studio record in how many, 10 years or whatever, mm -hmm. that's a sign of the times right there, man. Right. It's really rough out there. So um, as far as getting, the only thing, uh, the benefit of the Internet is that you can reach more people, but it has just as many drawbacks Right. because it's a glut of stuff out there. I mean, there's a band Every time you turn around, there's a band somewhere. You know, people are jaded by it. People are just done with it. I mean, they can see or watch or hear anything they want as long as they have a computer. Right. And it keeps people from going out to live shows. It keeps people from going out and looking and purchasing a CD, you know, and getting that product in their hands. Mm -hmm. We're lazy. People are lazy. They don't want to do it. You know, when you think about it, you know, are you going to go out and, and to a concert on the weekend, or are you going to, you know, go and uh, find on YouTube or somewhere on the internet? You know, we'll go watch Led Zeppelin from you know '73. Right. Okay, that's what we're going to do tonight, and go watch it on your on your big screen TV, right? Yeah, it, it's a shame that it's getting to that point because you know it's, it really is. It's, but it's up to the people, though. Right. It's up to the people. Go buy your records if you want them. Yeah. Go support local bands. Right. That drive is what keeps bands going. You, know, you get upset when people get upset that their band can't tour or does show or do shows or put out new product. It's because of that. It's because the bands can't afford to do it anymore. I mean, look, man, we did a show, we did a tour, a six-week tour with Faster Pussycat, mm -hmm. Great White, um, Bullet Boys, Pretty Boy Floyd. It was like six weeks, okay? We wow. went all across the country. And, um, and you talk about you know, a lot of records sold over those bands. And, right. And it was decent. Some nights were good, but there were some nights where, you know, it was two, three, four hundred people. And you think about, you know, that, you know, that was a bad night for any one of those bands back right. in the day, you know. And it's, 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 I don't know, kind of discouraging sometimes. So you have to really have your head on and really have your drive there to keep you from moving. So every time, you know, we put a record out, we're on the road, and, and we just get fueled by um, the fire that the fans feed us. That's really what keeps you going because right. if you sat back and, 
and really thought about it, the way the industry is, it it can deter a lot of people, and that's why you don't see a lot of movement from a lot of bands. A lot of bands out there just doing a couple of shows here and there or just festivals or whatnot, and we try not to do that. You know, right. if it was up to us, we'd be touring like crazy, but it is just, it's um, you know financially yeah. very difficult. That's why even major arena acts don't tour as much as they used to. How many touring right. arena acts are out there right now, if you really think about it? You don't hear hardly any at all. Exactly. exactly. It's all uh, a lot of the smaller clubs and venues, which, yeah. again, it's it's a great, too, because you've got that intimacy with the band and, and, and whatnot. But, you know, there's something about the energy of an arena show that, that's missing. And, uh, you know, even the whole digital downloads thing sometimes seems to be a double-edged sword. Yeah, it's great. I can have all my CDs in one place. But now it's like, oh, you know, here, sign my iPod. You know, it's... it's Right, right. Look, if, if, if fans actually purchase the material, I mean, I, I do it. I mean, I have iTunes. I have my stuff on my, on my iPod, too. But I also have the, the hard right. copies in case that blows up or something. Right. And I, I've got the discs... And that's fine. I don't mind people downloading stuff. That's as long as they do what's right. And you know, I don't steal music. Never have. Really, to be honest with you, wouldn't know how to do it if I right. if I wanted to. But you know, it's a reason why so many bands are are, are not financially able to go out and do what they used to be able to. Right. Do. Couldn't do that in the past. No. Um, moving on, I want to talk a little bit about you. Just. Uh, you're working on a, a new signature guitar that you uh, with uh, strictly seven guitars. Is that correct? Yeah, I have a. a it's a new guitar. It's a Steve Blaze model. There, there are two different ones. There's an orange and a purple model. I just got the orange one, and and um, I've been with Guilford Guitars mm -hmm. for a while. I still have a Steve Blaze. Uh, well, I have a Blaze model and a Redeemer model with Guilford, and now I'm with strictly seven. It's a Steve Blaze model, and these guitars are, are they're amazing. Uh, 26 frets. It has a, wow. the long. The neck is an inch and three quarters longer. The thing plays like. I, I mean, it's kind of weird. I was even telling Jim Lewis, the president. I said I like really like look forward to picking up the guitar and playing because it feels and sounds so good. So um, I'm really happy with it. Uh, I'm waiting for the other one. Uh, the graphics are incredible on it. The mm -hmm. neck feels great. Like I said, 26 frets. And the body doesn't even hit the, the neck wow. until like the 24th fret. So you have all of that upper scale is, un, uh, uh, I guess, no obstacles. You know how a lot right. of guitars where the neck hits, you, you kind of you can get cramped up. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have to kind of adjust your hand to go over the body on the higher frets. So this is, there's nothing as an obstacle there because it doesn't even touch the guitar, the neck, until that very high 24th fret. So it's really cool. That's cool. That, um, did you and have they a, play well, and it, it thinks very lightweight, and it sings like a bird. Wow. Did you have a Did you have a lot of say in how it was designed, or was it designed for you? No, it was it was designed for. I mean, like they they they're known for, you know, having the twenty six fret neck. Mm -hmm. And I said I want that, and I designed what the the body, the color, right, and the graphics, and what kind of inlays I want. I have cross inlays on this one. And then on the purple one, it has the 23rd Psalm written across the neck, okay. which is going to be very interesting. I've never seen that yet. Um, and it has uh, a wicked crescent moon and Saturn oh, cool. uh, as the graphics on the purple one. But it's got the Floyd Rose and uh, Seymour Duncan pickups in it. And um, 
you know, that kind of stuff. When he asked me what kind of wood, and we, we you know, we went with right. a certain type of uh, Gabon ebony mm-hmm. on the neck. And um, just, uh, you know, d- a lot of discussion was like, whatever you want, you know. But they have their own signature things and, and styles that they put to it. But all the little details were, uh, um, they were allowed me to pick those. Cool, cool, cool. Now, um, you know, moving forward, you got the the, the new CD, uh, you know, one, at the Temple, one night at the Temple is is released. Uh, any plans for a tour? Well, we we just got a new agency, so we told them let's start in August and September, get us out there, let's start doing some stuff. We have an acoustic show in July up in Illinois with um, Eric Martin from Mr. Big and Randy Jackson and oh. Autograph and some other bands and. Uh, a few bands are playing electric, and a few of us are doing acoustic. Cool. We're just going to be doing three of us acoustic up there. And then uh, we're doing 80s in the Park Festival in Melbourne, Florida in September. But I think we're going to start really hitting it in August and September. Cool. I'd like to, like to see you guys here in Pittsburgh again. It's, uh, I know it's been oh, a while yeah, since yeah, I've had it. Pittsburgh. It's been a while. I know the last time I was able to see you guys was on the Poetic Justice Tour. You guys played the graffiti up here. Um yeah, remember it, was, it. I remember it. Wasn't it? Was it freezing cold? Was it like a blizzard or something? I believe so because I remember uh, John and I were going and we uh, were debating on whether we were going to be able to make it. And uh, it was, you know, glad I did because it was a great show. Um, and actually, I got you guys to sign my CD afterwards. So it was, it was, a, it was a really cool night. That's a damn shame that it's been that long since we've been there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I hope that I, I really do want to see you guys up here. Now you also uh, you're working on a paranormal TV show, also. Yes, it's called Through the Veil, and the, the premise of the show is myself and my paranormal team mm-hmm. doing investigations throughout Louisiana, and uh, you know there's so much paranormal culture down here. Oh yeah, and uh, we take different individuals with us, uh, from celebrities to people off the street to come with us on the investigations to kind of change it up and see what their reactions and if they can be used as kind of a, uh, I guess you would say a, a trigger object, so to speak, you know, right. that maybe some entities may take to a certain type of person or whatnot and, uh, and see their reaction and get a different take on things. So we're getting ready to start filming. Uh, we're going to film 13 episodes and we're going to, Start airing them on Pelican Broadcasting, which is a network down here. Okay. Uh, it's a regional network. So we're going to put it out there, start to build a following, and uh, see what kind of interest we get, and then you know, move on, hopefully, to bigger networks from there. But it's really an am- amazing thing. You know, I just got into that a few years ago. Right. But doing paranormal investigations is, is just it's, it's crazy when you start really getting into it. Yeah. Um, it changes yeah. your life. Oh, I imagine, and and there's such a rich history of of, of that down in Louisiana too. Oh, so. absolutely. Cool. I, I definitely would like to check that out. Um, come on down. You can come in on, on investigations. <laughs> We'd be more glad to have you. Man. Oh, I'd love to. Um, so we got the uh, possibly touring in the fall, and uh, when do you do you start working on the new album? I'm actually working on it right now, and uh, it's kind of. I know it's the new record is, is kind of emotionally taxing for me right now. Okay. Because you know after we had the car wreck last year, right. A lot of things you know, kind of realign themselves in my head, and uh, the concept that I have for the next record will be 
pretty personal and pretty intense. And uh, the things that I'm coming up with now are very dynamic and powerful. Wow. And uh, I feel like they're they're along the lines of, of uh, take Ghost of Winter and World Stop Turning times five, you know. Oh, wow. Those types of dynamics and, and dark and light. Right moods during the song and it's gonna be loosely based i guess you would say on my life and the things that and the major events of my life mm-hmm. and the, the, the things that i've learned from good and bad throughout being born all the way to um till right you know when we pass away obviously i'm not dead yet so i can't really uh talk about that from a personal aspect but it'll be basically cover from womb to tomb, you know, um, right. and all points in between. So that's what I'm, I'm looking at right now. And it's uh, every time I start to work on one of the songs, it, it gets kind of emotional because I start going back to those parts right. of my life that, that are kind of inspiring me to write these songs. And when I get there, it kind of dredges up your whole childhood. And, you know, if you're like me, when you think about when you were a kid, and I'm very sentimental, Mm-hmm. about things in my life and you know always thinking about you know days in my life and it makes it very introspective you know and so um it'll be a very personal record but musically very powerful yeah i was just gonna say it sounds like it's gonna be uh very powerful and uh sounds like something i want it to be the absolute greatest record that we've ever done and um, you know, it's every album seems better than the last, and they all build on each other. And it's uh, you know, I I have no doubt that it could be their best. Um, you know, I want to take you know, don't want to take up too much more of your time, and you know, I want to thank oh, you. Oh, not for, at all, man. Whatever, I'm I'm good. <laughs> but um, yeah, I do want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us. It's uh, you know, it's real pleasure to talk to you. Like I said, I've been a huge fan of yours. Uh, for you know since guys first started and uh glad i got a chance to talk to you man that means a lot and uh hopefully uh you know get to see you here in pittsburgh sometime soon well we're working on it brother you know we're like i said if it was up to us we would be doing a lot of touring a lot of traveling but um you know we've got to we've got to do it smart we got to do it right and um i know that they were talking about doing an east coast run up there and there's no reason why we shouldn't be coming doing philly and pittsburgh and you know all in that whole area we haven't been there in such a long time you know yeah so and i know they have some good venues there so you know that's one of the cities that we've told them what we want to hit so hopefully that it it will pan out but you know for any of the fans out there you know I, i always go on facebook and i tell them look you, you might feel, it's just like voting, you might feel like you're just one individual, but man, call the radio stations, right. call the venues, call the clubs, call, you know, anybody, call Eddie Trunk, anybody <laughs> in rock and roll, call them, tell them what you want, tell them what you want to hear and what you want to see, whoever it is, whether it's Lillian Axe or it's, you know, Kiss, you know, you, you got to let it be known. Right. And, you know, if enough people do that, you know, people start to pay attention when they start hearing the same name mentioned by different people at different times. They do have to, uh, you know, it, it forces them to at least, you know, keep their ears open for it, you know? Exactly. 
and uh, it's definitely something that uh, that we need to start doing. And you know, I'll I'll be the first one writing the letters to get you guys up here for that if I have to. That would um, be wonderful. Um, you know, real quick, uh, you know, uh, what do you what do you listen to nowadays? Um, any bands out there that catch your ear? In my car right now, I have Live Genesis from like when Phil Collins was still in the band, mm-hmm. Steve Hackett. Uh, all the way up to what did I just get? Um, New Black Label Society. Got okay. that. Um, I'm listening to. Uh, I got my convergence in the car, so every day I got to listen to a little <laughs> bit of Lillian. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not sick of the albums yet. Um, I um, I like everything, man. I listen to a lot of classical and soundtrack music. Right. You know, when I'm when I'm, I'm listening to Sirius, I have the classical station. I have the New Age station. Mm-hmm. Of course, you got hair metal uh, or whatever the Hair Nation, Ozzy's Boneyard, hits of the '60s, '70s, and '80s. Right. Songwriters, but my collection of CDs, man, I I go from everything from uh, Bread, James Taylor, Alice Cooper to uh, Cradle of Filth. You right. know, I. I listen to everything, but always the one, the bands that really stand the test of time are like Scorpions, right? Alice Cooper. I'm a big fan of Muse. Um, oh, yeah. I think they're a fantastic band. Yeah, they are. Um, I got the new Michael Shanker record. I mean, I, I listen to everything, man, you know? Cool, um, yeah. My CD collection is sick. And you know what? I was I'm cleaning up my studio, and I'm finding out that I've got hundreds and hundreds of cassettes <laughs> and I have no idea what to do with <laughs> yeah, I, like, <laughs> I still have a cassette player but cassette player to listen to <laughs> I still have mine so <laughs> but um cool I you know I, I need to get one and, and start recording on the disc right some of these albums I have I got some rare stuff man cool um so again I'd like to thank you for taking time to talk to us it's been a real pleasure talking to you and uh wish you guys the best of luck well, thank you very much, man. Thank you for having me, and uh, you know, stay in touch. Anything I can do for you, let me know, and hopefully, we'll we'll be seeing you this year sometime. Hopefully, thank you very much. Take care. That's the track Waters Rising off the album One Night in the Temple. I'd like to thank Steve for talking with us. I really enjoyed speaking with him.
Up next on the program, we have an interview with CJ Snare of the band Firehouse. CJ has a new project called Rubicon Cross, who recently released a self-titled album. John had a chance to talk with CJ about Rubicon Cross. Before we get to that interview, though, here's a track from their newest album. It's called Bleed With Me. Welcome to the program. We have C.J. Snare of Rubicon Cross. How are you doing, C.J.? I am very well, thank you, John, and thanks to all the listeners out there. I appreciate mm-hmm. you uh, checking this show out. Yeah, absolutely. It's our, our pleasure. You actually had guests on the show almost two years ago now. It's been quite a while. And I rem- remember at the time talking just uh, kind of briefly about Rubicon Cross. We were discussing Firehouse at the time. Um, obviously, you guys are set now 20 days away. Uh, from dropping the new record. Do you want to talk a little bit more about how, how the project came together and uh, your relationship with the guitarist? Well, sure. First, I'd like to uh, establish the fact that, you know, Rubicon Cross is certainly not Firehouse, nor Firehouse Rubicon Cross, yet mm-hmm. both entities are still functioning alive and well. And I'll be touring uh, this summer with uh, Firehouse, Okay. Although uh, May 15th, just a few days prior to the release of the Rubicon Cross record, uh, we are playing in the uh, Chicago area, which is where the band is based from, even though two of the guys are Englishmen, uh, with Fozzie and uh, Heaven's Basement. Awesome. So it's kind of allowed us to, uh, this band has kind of jumped genres for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, you know, has a modern stamp on it. It's heavier. It's harder edged. You're right. May 19th is absolutely the release date. You'll be able to get it exclusively at uh, Best Buy. Okay. And there's a, a limited deluxe edition, which has a couple of extra tracks and a poster inside and some lyrics and, you know, special content goodies. that you wouldn't get on the regular. Yeah, goodies. <laughs> goodies. And, uh, of course, it's on In Grooves. And oh, by the way, that's going to be displayed on the uh, Nikki Six Six Sense program too. That on the end cap displays there, and uh, you know you'll be able to get it. Uh, in groups has it at iTunes, Amazon.com, MP3, everywhere. I mean, I'm I'm not naming them all. Sure. Just anywhere you can download stuff or stream it, whatever, you'll be able to hear it. And uh, this project really started off as was going to be my solo project. 
Mm-hmm. About, uh, I think 2003, I met the guitar player, Chris Green. And I met Simon Farmery, who was our bassist, too, at the same time. But I was really taken with Chris's guitar virtuosity. And uh, he and I became fast friends really quick. We were, you know, part of each other's weddings, best men, actually. And we've gone through divorces and breakups and deaths and births. And I'm godfather to his toddler son. And just, you know, so many things that... uh, Bound us in life and the experiences that go along with that, the pain, you know, the glory, all the good stuff and the bad stuff. And as artists, we kind of would come together during those times as friends, too. And it would often spark the idea for a song. So a lot of these songs are about, you know, what transpired through our lives more in a creative twist, if you will. Mm over the last 10 years. Uh, do you find, um, you know, one of the things I think most noticeable about the music of Rubicon Cross is how your voice fits into the to the two different bands quite differently. I think, you know, many, many people, you know, worldwide know you from Love of a Lifetime, Don't Treat Me Bad, you know, very high register stuff that, you know, we all tried to scream along with in our, in our cars back in the late 80s. Um, you listening to Rubicon Cross, um, you know, I don't think if many people would probably pick your voice out until, you know, is, you know, some of the tracks get towards a chorus. I mean, how, how do you approach vocally, um, Rubicon Cross? You know, do you deliberately write in a more modern, you know, vocal style? Yeah, well, not just vocally, but I mean, <clears throat> everything. Mm-hmm. The guitars are much more aggressive. The songs have a, a bit of a different melodic structure. You know, I try to concentrate on... It's difficult. Your voice is like a fingerprint. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it is a very distinctive thing. And I didn't want to just have another group of songs with the singer for Firehouse singing right. in front of them that wasn't Firehouse. We called it something else, but, but it sounded like Firehouse. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was crafted artistically in a way that... Uh, you know, sometimes you're going to hear it. It's just undeniable. You're going to hear bits of you go, oh, that's that's that dude. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, for the most part, it was really, uh, it was intentional. Um, I sang lower uh, register. I gruffened it up a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Firehouse is known for their high harmonies soaring above me, uh, you know, at a third and a fifth above me. We, uh, in writing this, tried to focus on doing harmonies that were lower, which therefore makes it more modern also. Absolutely. And, yeah, uh, just, I would say all around it was uh, intentionally done so that there would be a distinct line and a differentiation mm-hmm. between the mothership Firehouse, which people have known for 20-plus years, and this new baby band, Rubicon Cross. Hmm. Now, um, did you and Chris write all the material together, or how did you guys kind of to break that up amongst the band? Well, we did write all the material together with the exception of one song, which is called Save Me Within. Okay. I didn't even understand that. Chris came up with that hook, and I'm like, oh, Americans might not understand that because... <laughs> You know, save me. I thought it was like to, to rescue me or something like that. But um, it's a song about his father's uh, passing away, his father's death. And uh, it was about 
the English used the term save me within, like, you know, you save things to a hard drive or you keep okay. it in your heart. You save it in your heart. So save me within, in this context, meant to save me in you, you know, meaning keep me inside you, to uh, internalize me and to move on and move right. forward with your life. And that's what that song's about. And Simon Farmery, uh, the bass player, actually um, helped us pen that tune. And that's the only one. Apart from that, it's all Chris and myself. Sure. Now, as a vocalist, you bring up something very interesting in, with that, that um, you know, you have to, to basically bring about Chris's experience into your vocals. How, how much of a, a part of that is when you prepare to, you know, to do the lyrics, um, you know, to deliver them, how, how much do you do you feel you need to get in the head of somebody who penned the lyrics? And is that is that kind of unusual for you to sing someone else's lyrics? You know, there are bands out there where the singer never sings his own lyrics. Is that something that do you, do you typically work with your own lyrics? Oh yeah, I mean, every single song on that record is me. Okay. Uh, you know, with with a little help from my friends. You sure. know, they'll be my sounding board. They'll you know I, I bounce some ideas off them, but they're basically my emotions, these are from my heart. But because this experience had not happened to me, this was Chris's, and I agonized with it. I mean, mm -hmm. I, it took me weeks, months of conversations with him on the phone. Of course, I knew his father, too. Sure. I had spent time with him in England and everything. So, you know, it's like, no, I want to convey this. And would it be all right if I say this? Mm -hmm. and, I really want you. I wanted to emote it just properly. Yeah. When I finally sent him my finished product, he uh, his words were, "I think that's the best vocal you've sung in 20 years." Yeah, that, that was just as you mentioned that it to me. I, I could imagine that being very difficult because you know if you were singing a cover song, for example, you know something like you, you take example like uh, the newest vocalist of Boston, for example, you're delivering something that you've heard countless times, but to take a lyric. You know that you know maybe you got a rough melody or you know something like you know a chart or something like that and turn it into a completed song with your own conviction. It's, it's got to be very challenging. It was a challenge, and like I said, I agonized with it. I'd call him all the time. I probably drove him crazy. <laughs> I'm like, I want to do this. Is this okay? Is that all right? And sometimes he would shoot me down too. Yeah, yeah. I, I would the save me within thing. You know, I wanted to say uh, keep. I wanted to call it change keep me with. Yeah. Yeah, and he said, "No, mate, this one's too close to my heart. You know, I've got to, it's got to be saved even then." Yeah. And so, at the end of the song, I sing this little "Keep Me in Your Heart." You know, just to kind of clarify for American listeners out there. I'm not sure if I conveyed that, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, it, it was near and dear to him. Yeah. The other songs are definitely all me. Like "Bleed with Me," that's that's about a band of brothers. That's mm -hmm. the single. That's the video. And I think that's the one straight out of the box where you know, whoa, this isn't Firehouse, okay. Absolutely, no. I mean, and, that's uh, why you certainly, you know, other than seeing your face in the video, you're not, you know, the average casual listener is not going to pick out, you know, that's the Firehouse guy. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, in researching those, uh, for the lyrics of that, um, you know, it was originally about a band of brothers uh, standing in the face of uh, rough times or hard times and uh, coming out on the other side better for it, you know. 
standing in the face of adversity. But then it morphed into it could be a couple, it could be a band. You know, I found out that it was part of Braveheart. You know, you played with us, now bleed with me. As he's doing this big speech on horseback in front of the troops towards the end. Part of a William Shakespeare play. And very interestingly, the United States Marine Corps has used it as one of their slogans. Bleed with me and you'll forever be my brother. So it branches into war, yeah. into military, into the fight of life, the challenges that we all face. Uh, but, you know, doing it side by side with someone else and therefore uh, forming a bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, which which makes a cool thing for, you know, a, you know, a relatively new band, too. You know, you get a kind of a, you know, a sense of the unity of the band. Uh, CJ, did you uh, produce the album? I, I know you've done a lot of production work in your career. This particular record um, was produced by Chris and myself okay. for the most part. Um, we recorded some of the bass, all of the vocals, some of the guitars at my studios. And then um, we did the live drums, some of the other guitars, some of the other bass. Um, and we did all the keys and the strings and, the, you know, the things like this. You'll hear some cello and things like that at some of them. And that was done at uh, either Chris's studio or my studio. But uh, we turned the reins over at the end for mixing and mastering to uh, Rick Beato okay. at Black Dog Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. Now... For those of you who might not be familiar with Rick, he gave Shinedown their first platinum record. And he's done other bands like Bullet for My Valentine and Dark New Day. And uh, then, you know, he switched over to the Christian side. And sure. he did, uh, I mean, he, he does all kinds of projects. He's done uh, Need to Breathe mm-hmm. and uh, multi-platinum selling record there. And also, I know he just co-wrote a song called Carolina for a country and western band called Parmalee that went to number one. So, you know, I mean, he's got a lot of... Uh, he's got the resume. Yeah, he does have the resume. Absolutely. Well, that makes sense. Again, CJ, uh, the album, uh, 19th of May, uh, in Grooves Records, uh, you mentioned Best Buy. Uh, that's through Universal Music, correct, in Grooves? Yes, Universal yeah. Music Group is our distributor. Okay. It's going to be in 600 stores on the 19th. That's just in the U.S. Right. And of course, you know, other outlets around the world, but uh, I don't know who's going to be hearing this. But uh, you, yeah. you should be able to get it in most spots uh, on that date. And you can pre-order it now at Best Buy's website. Awesome. Well, we will look forward to seeing you out on the road with Firehouse this summer. Uh, you can check out Firehouse uh, Music's website. You've got tour dates going all over the country. Uh, Rubicon, you mentioned you have a, a date, and hopefully we'll see some more in the fall when the summer touring season winds down for Firehouse. But CJ, I want to thank you for being on the show, man. Thank you very much, John. Yeah, and you can go. i got to do the uh, due diligence here with the plugs. You know, people can go to the Rubicon Cross Band uh, Facebook page. You know, it's facebook.com slash Rubicon Cross Band, and they can like us and... We're doing something right now called the Belly of the Beast, which is giving little-known facts about the band and things like that. So new content every day leading up to the release date. Um, they can also go to our website, which is rubiconcross.net, and they can see the video, 
and, uh, you know, some pictures and bio information, things like that. Awesome. So, you know, we're up there. Yep, you have to be these days. Well, CJ, I want to thank you so much, and it's been a pleasure. Same here. And uh, thanks to all the listeners out there for uh, Iron City Rocks. Appreciate it, John. Awesome. All right, I'd like to thank CJ for talking to us. Again, Rubicon Cross is the name of the band and the album. That about wraps up this episode. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to contact us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. You can also check out our Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Check out our Twitter at twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks. And our Instagram at instagram.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Also, please check out our main website, ironcityrocks.com. Till next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>